What's up, they're guys? playing. They're playing chosen ads before our video. It's like they well, know. It's like yeah, they know what would annoy me. That's what they know. Welcome to Avoiding Babylon. I'm Anthony, the host. Rob, my co-host, and Jason, our guest. What is this professionalism? Well, here's the deal. I've been looking at the analytics. And about 40% of our audience is not subscribed. And I think a lot of that has to do with my unprofessionalism and my lack of yelling at people to smash the like button and to subscribe. I mean, I don't get it. Like the one time we remember to tell people we have an audio podcast happened to be the the biggest day for our audio podcast ever. It's it's just a coincidence, I guess. (laughs) Yes, we have an audio podcast of everything that we do. Um, we're uh, our our subs are like they're at like a steady rhythm now. We get like seven a day, like it's pretty nice. Like every time I go open the 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 YouTube app, it's like you swipe down and you see Anthony Unprofessional never. Um, you swipe down and you see like 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 from breakfast to lunch, you see two or three new subs. It's pretty cool, you know. We we got a nice little rhythm going. It's getting really cool. So and then Anthony says something something uh, controversial on Twitter, and we and lose two. Or you three. watch you watch two subs. <laughs> it's it's pretty like uh, calculable at this point. Um, real like real quick, right off the bat, what did you guys think of the final two episodes before we even get into this? They were. Um, not so much the first one, right? Because that was really a lead up. But if you take them as a whole, I w- would say they were very touching and emotional, but in a way that really pissed me off and makes me think less of the show. You are such a hater. You're such a hater. It's amazing. You're such a hater. I, I don't know. We. I was saying before, I'm like, this is the show I, I hate to love. It's like, I don't want to love it, but I love it. Like, I kind of love to hate it. Yeah, we're totally the opposite. And Jason just loves loves to love it. I don't know if I love to love it, but overall, I, I like the show. So wait, real quick. So Teresa Nelson has been sent by Timothy Gordon. Tim, Tim is a really, really nice guy, and he gave us oh. an amazing shout out. For a second, I thought that meant that she was watching us for Flanders. So Flanders, yeah. oh maybe Flanders, that's possible. Well, I just um, figured Tim's making sure to watch you that you live up to. Um, so controversial. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So I, I, we're basically going to do it a little different this episode, right? So we usually do like a scene by scene breakdown, but if we do that, we'll be on here for four hours because it was a double episode. So I told these guys to jot down any notes they might have and nah, scenes that they wanted to discuss almost all of my notes are in the second episode so if, if you guys have oh, anything in that right first on. episode you want to talk about and address uh i definitely I, was the simon and gaius was the first episode right yes that was yeah. the first one where he where he ventured into the roman quarters yeah yeah jason because, it sounds like it sounds like your mic's not on really hang on it sounds like you're just using your computer mic usually yeah, you sound much better let me, see. let me go Oh yeah, yeah I, hang, on, hang on. Hollow echo was going on for sure. Um, so Jeff is saying blasphemy and heresy. That is all. And I actually put out a tweet right before the show, and I said, uh, "The chosen is actually more orthodox than anything that's been coming out of Rome as of late." So I mean, is this better, holler- Anthony? Yes, much. Okay, I think I accidentally unplugged my mic and it switched over. So. Oh, I'm glad I said something. I was going to actually just let you roll with that echo, but. It would. It's your show if you want to ruin it or not. No, no, no. 
<laughs> so, um, so, all right. Yeah. So that, that scene stood out to me because, uh, the, the Simon's got this funky thing going on with him and Eden, and it really does kind of set up everything that I'm going to talk about in that next episode. Now in that second, um, in that second episode, I have a lot of biblical stuff I want to get to. Well, yeah. In both episodes, just, so I'm not going to be able to really differentiate between the two because I actually watched both back to back last yeah, night. So, so it's all yeah. just one big episode to me. So whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> Angela's <laughs> drinking again, guys. <laughs> again? again? Does she stop? Yeah, I don't know. It might just be one <laughs> continuous uh, inebriation that Angela does. <laughs> We're very mean to Angela. Angela. Angela, we thought we were going on doing this last night at, at like 9.30. She's like, let's go. I'm coming on the Chosen Review. I'm tuned up. That's because she had been uh, at a bar having a night to herself reading reading, uh, reading at Alice Von Hildebrand at the bar and got into uh, a theological argument with the Protestants at the bar. Oh man, it's better than she, it's better she, than, she has been on a terror against Protestants lately. She needs to take a chill pill. Her, yeah. her, yeah, her, Jason. Her. What yeah. about you, bud? <laughs> hey, you know the, what? They 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 dish it out. They should be able to take it. The this funny is thing actually, is, this, oh, is go ahead. this comment. The chosen equals Nova Sorda. It's actually pretty fair description. The whole mindset and like. Um, atmosphere yeah it's spot it's on. a pretty that's a pretty fair assessment i would say I, I i you know i look this whole season we watched we did not point out heresy once there was no marion heresy uh, uh i would say the john the baptist thing that was not, that was not heresy heresy i would say more misunderstanding but i don't think it was blatant heresy it was more they implied things but they didn't straight out they yeah. even with the, even with they the are careful about only implying Right. and blasphemy. Okay. Well, they're ambiguous, and they're more ambiguous than Francis when they need to be, because you can That's say, "All right, we're point. staying in the lines here." Like even with the Jesus has brothers thing, they never said he has brothers. They just mentioned, "Oh, they're not coming." There was there was no blatant heresy this season. Last season, a little different with the Mary stuff. This season, look, it was a little bit of cringe, but there was no heresy. And 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 the thing is, every episode, uh, Teresa, we actually did a clip. Uh, if you go back and it says, what did the chart tr- did the chosen go against the church fathers? It's It's got like a couple thousand views. That video actually, it was really well done. If you, uh, if you take what I would say there, what the, um, I don't know, the most obvious meaning to what they said, I would say that part is, is borderline heresy. But yeah, it's ambiguous enough to where they could say, "Oh, no, they're not really saying that." But. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think. I think that they smacks of heresy. <laughs> smacks of heresy. Of heresy. <laughs> yeah, it's not blatant heresy. So, um, yeah. So I would say that this this wasn't a heretical season. It was uh, the, like so. Every episode would start, and at first, the, the accents take you back a bit, and by <laughs> I would I would say by twenty minutes in, they kind of fade into the background for me, and I'm and I'm into it. My the first thing, and I think you and I talked about this earlier, Anthony. But the first note I took watching these two episodes was literally about a minute into the show when, uh, when what's his name, Jairus was talking, and I just wrote down so sick of these accents. Yeah, it's it hard. Like, oh, I just no the and, part that the, the the part that I thought was kind of just 
beyond ridiculous when he when uh, uh, Philip stubs his toe and he's like, "Oh, Hades!" Like, oh, who oh. says that? So it's not. See, that's like, we've been pointing this out. Now, um, maybe that's maybe they have a historian that says, "Oh, they this is actually linguistically correct." I doubt no, it. So, so what you're talking about is what they've been doing. It's not so much even the accents as them trying to put these modern syllogisms into the show. Like, so why it'll, say Hades instead of Sheol or Gehenna? Well, why not just say, oh, oh, oh darn? <laughs> like, why do you have to? They're trying to put this modern parlance into it where you would say, oh, hell. Like, just. Yeah, well, well and, and to a certain extent, you have to have modern language and idioms and stuff like that for people to relate but i feel like some of them are just kind of over the top like this oh hades and stuff like that yeah. like nobody even says that in, in our language today yeah i so. agree i agree so um the first scene that i wrote down was um was in episode two and it was zebedee talking to eden Seven and Seven, uh, we're just skipping episode. over episode one completely <laughs> unless you have something you want to bring up well, I was just so there were some other like. Well, when you say episode a, one, you mean episode seven, like the first of correct, the first of the two, episode one of the of the two, the double header that we watched. So, like at one point, um, it's when Philip and Nathaniel. No, those those are the same people, aren't they? No, I don't know. Um, when they're talking with Judas, describing oh Andrew, Andrew and Nathaniel, uh, when they're talking with Judas. Um, about what's going on in the Decapolis. Judas says something like, uh, you've gotten started a, a multinational crisis. It's like, I really doubt the apostles talked like, you know, 20th century UN yeah. diplomats. Well, was, look, I, I don't necessarily want to focus in on the on the language stuff just because we all know what it is. It's like, Judas goes on to say that it's, oh, it's way too early for the war. Like yeah, so all yeah, this talk, like the apostles talk of revolution are. and things like that, I, and I think what they're trying to emphasize with that is that, because we have this modern conception that the Jews were waiting for a military leader, and I don't think that's always necessarily true either. Like the Essenes the were not waiting on a, were, the Zealots were correct. I don't think the Essenes were like there was there were many groups who did, were not yeah. expecting a military leader. People, people don't realize how much diversity there was among. Uh, Judaism at the you know among the Jews at this time, if you even want to call them, I guess you could say Israelites. But um, was the was the prayer tassels? Was that episode seven or eight? Where well, thing. episode six is the last we left off, and I thought that she found something of Judas's. Like I thought she saw something funny yeah. with the money with Judas. Yeah, but, but we it see turns it. out it was Matthew's tassel prayer tassels. Yeah, was that in the first episode from from these? I think. I think that was the second one. It was in one of the two that we watched. Last I forget. Night. Yeah, I thought that was a good scene. I thought it was. I thought it was nice seeing yeah. that old man come, and it was almost like a, like Matthew's first encounter with somebody talking about self sacrifice and stuff. I, I I like that scene. Well, and and I think a lot of uh, reverts to the faith or converts can relate to these type situations because a lot of us if we look back there may have been people or situations that we talked to that were pretty much foreshadowing our conversion that we thought would never happen and and in matthew's case again it's relatable because you know i, I can look back at, at my conversion i'm sure maybe anthony and robert you can look at your reversion or your conversion whatever you want to call it when you start taking your faith really serious that there was a point where somebody was talking to you about your faith, you blew them off at the time. Later, look back and say, "Yeah, 
this the, this person spoke a lot of truth to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm tell you right. I, I'm gonna tell you guys right now. Towards the end of this episode, I'm gonna end up telling a very personal story between my my wife and I. And does she know? It, no, she never knows. But she's you know she's not allowed to watch. Don't worry. She's never gonna watch this. That's for sure. The last time I said that, she watched. So I don't know. <laughs> it's almost like I'm jinxing myself. But um, the, the the one thing I did want to point out with this conversation with Zebedee speaking to Eden. So Zebedee and his wife go to Eden, right? And they're trying to just talk to Eden because they know something's going on with her and Simon. And Zebedee says to Eden, he says, uh, I, he says, I know Simon. I fished his father, Jonah. And there's something historically inaccurate about that. Um and I'm pretty sure it's in Eusebius's church history where um, it goes through maybe Peter's lineage a little bit. But Peter's father's name was Johann, not Jonah. Now, the reason they think it's Jonah is because in Matthew 16, yeah, Simon Bar-Jonah, yep. Simon Bar-Jonah. Now, the, now the reason that happens is um, so this is this is from Scripture. It's, uh, and, and the Pharisees and Sadducees approached him to test him, and they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Jesus replied, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign, and a sign shall not be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And leaving them behind, he went away. So that sets up before the, con- uh, the confession at um, Caesarea Philippi, where Peter confesses jesus as the messiah and peter then goes in blessed are you simon barjona because of this so significance of the sign of jonah the pro uh, the significance of the sign of the prophet jonah was that jonah was a prophet from the northern kingdom of israel he received the command that the lord from the lord to warn the great city of nineveh about the coming judgment nineveh was a capital of assyria a gentile nation Instead of obeying God, Jonah fled. He sailed on a ship to escape his task. While on the ship, God cast a great storm upon them. So you guys know the, the story of Jonah, right? Yeah. yeah, yep. So we tend to think of Jonah as a coward, afraid to carry out the will of God. That's not the case. Jonah didn't want to bring God's message to Nineveh because God was preparing Nineveh to wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel, who had become... Who had become disobedient and sinful. Jonah wasn't a coward. He saw that God was preparing Nineveh to bring judgment on the northern kingdom and was prepared to die for his countrymen rather than help the Assyrians to destroy his kinsmen. So after the crew threw him overboard, jo- Jonah swallowed by a giant fish for three days until he was vomited up on dry land. The important part of Jonah's three days in the belly of the fish is what Jonah prays while in there. Jonah doesn't describe the intestines of a fish, he describes being in the womb of Sheol. So now, this is a resurrection story. Mm-hmm. Right. He's in the tomb, in a sense, for three days. And that's that's why Jesus references it. He says, this generation gets no sign. All you'll get is the sign of Jonah, which this is a foreshadow. Like, Jonah's story is a foreshadow of Christ. Mm-hmm. So the miracle that occur- occurs in the story of Jonah is not that he survived in the fish's belly. It's the complete opposite. Jonah died in the fish, went to Sheol, and three days later was resurrected. He then reluctantly goes to Nineveh and gives them God's message that they will be destroyed in 40 days. When news reaches the king of Nineveh, he heeds God's warning and commands that the whole city uh, repent and fast. So when Jesus tells the scribes and Pharisees that this generation will not receive, he's showing them that this is a foreshadowing event. Now, wait, what did I want to get to here? Um, okay, oh, so here it is. To Simon. 
Right. So here's how it relates to Simon. So in Jonah's day, it was the northern kingdom that was dividing the house of David. In Jesus's day, it's the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. They're they're calling Jesus the son the son of David a demoniac, saying that he gets his power from Beelzebul. They're on the brink of committing the unpardonable sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So they're in the northern kingdom of Jesus's day. Rome is the new Assyria, and Jesus is the new Jonah. Jesus would rather die to spare his kinsmen, even though they are sinful, but he rises and the gospel goes out to the nation of the Gentiles who will bring judgment upon the house of Israel in Jesus' own generation. Like this whole story of Jonah was a foreshadow of Christ. Where are you reading that from? This is an early episode I did. Okay, so this is, so if you go back and look through my videos, I did a whole video on the sign of Jonah. So I actually have all these notes written. This is like a Bible study. I oh, so okay. So so these are from multiple sources that you put. These together. are from multiple sources. They're okay. really from the Church Fathers. It's from uh, part of it is from a Scott Hahn talk that I heard. But I, I, I it's for the I'll, I'll show you where I'm going with it. So, so they're the new kingdom of Jesus's day. Rome is the new Assyria, and Jesus is the new Jonah. Jesus would rather die to spare his kin- kinsmen, and even though they are sinful, he rises and the gospel goes out to the nation of the Gentiles, will bring judgment upon the house of Israel in his own generation. The temple was destroyed forty years later by Rome, just as it was destroyed by Syria forty years after Jonah. So the first temple goes down after that whole thing. So just. Uh, Jesus is the new Jonah. The Pharisees are the new northern kingdom. And after three days, the gospel will go out to extend mercy, grace, and forgiveness to Israel's arch enemies so that God can use them as he used Nineveh. Now, I'm I'm going through this because you're seeing this in this episode, this tension between the Jews and the Gentiles throughout this episode, right? Mm -hmm. So an evil generation demands a sign and Jesus gives it to them. Two chapters later in Matthew 16, Peter makes his confession about Jesus being the Christ. And in response, Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Peter is really the son of Johan, not Jonah, but Jesus calls him Simon, son of Jonah, because Peter has become the spiritual son of Jesus, the new Jonah. So that's what's going on there. Peter is the son of Jesus. And so he's the spiritual son of the new Jonah. And that's why that whole thing happens there. So um, when the son of David was anointed, he became the son of God by grace. Now, Jesus, the son of God by nature, has become the son of David through divine grace and the anointing of the spirit spirit at baptism. So I, I won't go through the entire thing, but that's that's pretty much what's going on there. And that little instance when he calls him Simon I knew I, I I fished with Simon's father. His name was Jonah. It just made me think of that. So no, no, I'm glad you brought that up because that I mean that's stuff like that's just so amazing. You know, like uh, because p- part of part of our debates with Protestants, right, is they have a very superficial understanding of scripture. Of scripture. They don't, and uh, stuff like that really brings the the Bible to life, and it's because of the Catholic Church and its understanding. Of scripture. We read scripture know? totally different from Protestants, right? Like the whole way that like they think that you just pick up this book and read it like it's just 2000 years later. You could just read it where it's like, no, you guys have to understand there's a, there's an art to reading scripture. And when you hear Jesus saying things, he's always alluding to something that happened in the past. Now, this show does do that a little, right? Like I do like the biblical typology in this show, cheesy acting aside. Do do you think the show, at least the last couple episodes, or maybe just in general, do, do you get the feeling that they kind of give Peter a preeminence among the other apostles? I think so. The disciples, yeah. I, because last night on episode eight, I definitely felt 
felt that like they're giving him, um, like I said, more preeminence among the other apostles, which is enjoyable, right? Because a lot of the Protestant understanding of the apostles is they were all equal, right? And uh, of course, the Catholic Church elevates, you know, Peter, but yeah. Um, Teresa, you're asking, did he say Jesus was like Jonah? Did, did who say Jesus was like Jonah? You, I think. So no, Jesus is Jonah is a type of Christ. A type of Christ. So, um, are you reading Cliff Notes for the show? So, Teresa, if you go back in our episodes, when I first started this podcast, it was just me by myself, and I was doing some things on scriptural typology. So, everything I just read there was really from an earlier show, and I do it much better in that show because I'm not speed reading it. So, if you went back and you really wanted to do a little bit of a deeper dive into what I just talked about, there is a, a full. It's only about 17 minutes long, but it's a pretty good in-depth synopsis of what I was just going through. And it shows how the sign of Jonah, there's a reason Jesus is telling the Pharisees and Sadducees when they ask for a sign, like, no, you're going to get the sign of Jonah. And it really has to do with what happens with Jonah and the Assyrians coming and bringing judgment on Israel. And now Jesus is saying within a generation, the Gentiles will bring judgment upon Israel and destroy the temple in 70 AD. It's really an amazing prophecy that comes true. It's wild. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go back and watch that because all jokes aside, I know we all poke fun at each other more than we do give credit, but Anthony, Anthony actually does know his Bible really well. Oh, I love scripture, especially the typology. So if anybody hasn't seen it, including myself, I know I'm going to go back and watch it. uh, Look, it's not something, it's not something I, figured out on my own i'm literally just relaying something i read and you know i, I took it from two different books and a scott Hahn talk and i kind of just condensed it all into one and, yeah, it, and it was yeah yeah it's not like i it's not like i'm i'm some great scripture scholar it's that those deep insights are what really gave me a love for scripture and a deep love for the church so it you know there those are, that's all that is it's like well, sometimes and, you don't and, hear those kinds of things and you've got to be weary of people that claim to have new insights to scripture all the time yeah. you know because oh, definitely <laughs> if it's <laughs> new if it's new that's problematic usually um so uh what do you guys do you guys so really um that was like the first thing that stood out to me and i just wanted to get into that a little the next note i have is the power parable of the sower dividing the crowds into groups i mean we're getting right well, into it. So if you guys have other things you want to go over. So um, we were just talking about the scene where Zebedee and Mary Magdalene come to talk to, to Eden about the, the miscarriage. And um, as I mentioned on the, the show before, you know, hope and I have, have we've had three at this point. Um, and it's, it's part of the, part of these episodes that made these episodes like I said, really touching and emotional. And, um, you know, in that sense, it's, it's good because like, I don't know if, if, if you've ever had a miscarriage, you know, um, it's something that's kind of always in the back of your mind and, and, and this part of the show and well, other parts of the show too, like, you know, brought, brought it to the forefront, uh, for me, which happens from time to time. And, um, you know, I, I got really emotional, obviously kind of, kind of lost my composure and had to pause the show um, and kind of cry it out for like 10, 15 minutes. And- I'm, I'm glad you're at least like able to like, cause I know you're not crazy about the show, but to see that the show actually does stoke emotion in you for these things that you identify with. I think, well, it's, yeah. I think it's very, I think it's very, I think it's good writing, you know, the, the concept of it. But I think that's no. also what, 
upsets Rob about it, right? <laughs> well, like, like uh, well, I'll get into I'll get into that, but like, uh, you know, it's it, so the our first two miscarriages were prior to to me coming back to the church, prior to Hope's conversion, um, and like obviously I, I'm cradle Catholic, raised Catholic, but uh, um, what wasn't traditional, um, wasn't like super modernist either, but um, wasn't I, I I was definitely catechized better than most, but not as well as uh, everyone should be, obviously. Yeah, and when you so, leave the sacraments, I don't care how well you're catechized. So, um, like like I mentioned on a previous episode, our, our first miscarriage, I didn't know about right away. Um, the second one, I, I knew knew sooner, but like, I, you know, I had never, Hope and I never talked about um, what to do in those situations. We didn't know, you know, to, to baptize whatever remains there were. Um, I wasn't even really you know, practicing. Is that something? Time. Is that something you're supposed to do? Yes, um, wow. because because you can't because death as, as Catholics see death as the separation of of body and soul, right? Um, now that compared to what you know doctors would describe as physical death is is different, and you you don't always know when a soul has left the body yeah um, the soul being the animating principle of the body um when the body starts to be you know noticeably deteriorate then you can say the soul has left it but um that's why a priest um e- even if they say they're called for last rites if they get there you know seemingly too late um They'll still give you, them just. They'll still just give last rites. Like if, if the body's warm, they'll they'll give last Is rites. That, does what you're describing would that would that go in line with when some people are near death and they talk about out of out of body experiences? You think the two are related? Maybe it could be the the maybe the 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 physical brain shutting down, like almost like brain death in a sense, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, the, the, the will and intellect are in the soul. So it could be, uh, and I'm just coming with this up at the, off the top of my head right now. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, uh, just it could thought. maybe be the, 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 the intellect being like kind of freed from the physical constraints of the brain matter. I don't know, yeah. but, but um, anyway, so, so we didn't, baptize um baptize the our first two uh the third there were no physical remains that we could um you had like, that I, many I miscarriages yeah we've had three wow we, i didn't we know two, that. i knew i knew you had two i didn't know you had a third. we had two before our, our oldest maddie and then we had one in between him and Nikki. so so he was a I real will, miracle will, baby yeah i will maddie, definitely yeah. i'm gonna that's I'm why gonna, we called him called him matthias matthias means gift from god so Wow. But, wow that's uh, a, now, let me ask you something as a man, right? Because yeah. I, I, I can imagine that was probably way more traumatic for Hope than it was for you, right? I, I would just, I mean, I don't know. but I'm she, just, So, like I mentioned the, previously that, you know, our first one, um, she felt so bad about guilty of and scared of what would happen. Like, you know, like I said, she didn't tell me for a long time, so yeah, she she dealt with that on her own for a long time. Oh, wow. Um, so I can't even imagine. Um, she had, you know, she didn't, she had no one to help her through it. When I, when I, when she did tell me, obviously I had heard there too. 
to help yeah. me through it. But, does the yeah, they, does the they, way the show sorry. does the way the show portrays the miscarriage from uh, Saint Peter and um, uh, what's her name uh, Eden. Eden? I mean, so it, from the way you're describing, it was a pretty accurate portrayal on 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 how it would go, huh? Like emotional, or you don't think so? Emotional, yeah. I thought you can, meant, you, can you guys hold it down for two seconds? I just gotta grab something. Yeah, we'll we'll sit in silence. <laughs> no, I, I I just meant strictly like like the emotional phase because. You know, Eden was keeping it from St. Peter for a while because she didn't know how to process it, didn't know how to handle it, was hurt. Of course, he was gone, too. And then yeah. and then St. Peter afterwards was angry. I don't know. Um, from what I gather, it seems like those emotions are, are pretty accurate, at least maybe in your case, or is that not? Um, I never I never felt the anger. Um, I think part of that is is i don't know i never Sorry, felt the anger like <laughs> yeah um and i don't mean to dig too personal i mean of course no, however, however far you want to go I, 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 I think it's one of those things everyone probably reacts differently um i think hope felt a lot more anger than i did um not to speak for her but i, I yeah. think that's pretty safe to say um but she she also didn't have the same understanding of God that I had, you know, growing up Catholic. Yeah. Um, so she felt a lot more anger at God for allowing it to happen. Kind of, kind of how you see Peter react in the show. Well, there. well, and I guess Peter's anger also stems from the fact that he feels like Jesus who was in the flesh with him was not helping him, but helping everybody else. No, Teresa, he didn't say he, he didn't say he did. Yeah. That's not what he's you saying. Can, you can conditionally baptize. Uh, the, if it's, the remains if, of a miscarried if, child, because you cannot say for certain when the moment of death was. Right. So um, now the whole the whole dynamic between Simon and Eden. Like I think I like I like Simon even when he's mad. Like I love everything about Simon in this show. You like, relate everything. Everything, dude. When that's he's mad why, and he just goes on these. Who these... was it that recently said either in, on Twitter or the Telegram they they said uh, something about Anthony uh, or not Anthony uh, Saint Peter was uh, what did they say? They really didn't like him because he was annoying or something like that. And I was like, do you like Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, uh, he's just, he's just. I, I don't know. I just, just the way he handles everything. How he just goes on those brooding walks and. <laughs> Who's more cut up, you or the guy that plays St. Peter? Who's uh, more Saint cut Peter. up? <laughs> now, the, the thing is, there's uh, even like there's something admirable about when. All right. So let's, let, let me let me jump to this real quick. So the power bolt, Jesus starts, goes and they start getting the crowds together. Mm-hmm. I thought the show did something awesome because there's something really important that happens in scripture at this point, because he tells them um, divide the crowds into groups. And you relay my words. Mm-hmm. And what you are seeing here is the formation of bishops and dioceses. Okay. And he's dividing them into groups. And each bishop is now relaying and speaking the words of Christ. And, and the dead are hearing the words of God. So like you have to think about in John's gospel where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And he says, a time is coming where, uh, you will neither worship on this mountain or that, but uh, uh, you. But the dead will hear the the voice of the Son of God. Like it's, I, I'd have to pull the scripture verse up, but it's it's a very particular thing that he says that that 
the, you know, the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and will rise. And what you're hearing is the, the, the bishop speaking in persona Christi and mm -hmm. souls that are dead now come to life. So they're breaking them up into groups of 50 and a hundred. And as Jesus is speaking this parable, then you see the apostles repeating the parable that Jesus is speaking. And you're actually seeing the priesthood in action. And I thought the show did such a cool job of showing how that really happens in that, in the feeding of the 5,000 in scripture. It's a very, uh, it's a, it's a foreshadow of what the church will look like after Christ's resurrection and ascension. Um, a note I took about earlier in the show was, uh, how they were the apostles were talking about how they were they went out earlier right and and preached more or less the same parables and sermons that Jesus preached to out to other people um the banquet they they preached right. the banquet well and, and other parables but yeah that's that's oral tradition <laughs> You yeah, know what I mean, like whether they know it or not, they're showing oral tradition. Right. That. So so they're showing there's a couple of scenes where they're showing Matthew's like really writing down every little thing. But the thing is, like I heard and I, I think I've used this example before, but like if you are um, like Michael Barber or if you're Brant Petrie and you go on a speaking tour with Scott Hahn, now Scott Hahn goes up and gives a talk, then you give a talk, then Dr. Bergsman gives a talk, right? Now, let's say you do a, a tour around the country. By the fourth city, you'll have, say you're Dr. Bergsman, you're going to have Scott Hahn's talk memorized. Now, if you're doing this over the course of three years and Jesus brings you to the same places over the course of those three years in a three-year cycle. And it's like, okay, at this, at this feast, we're going to be here at this feast. We're going to be here. And you do that three times around by the end of it. It's like, that's how, you know, the scriptures are accurate, even if they weren't written for 30 years after the Ascension. Well, and, and these cultures, especially at this time, and even in some countries today also have a lot better listening skills than we do. Yeah. But like Rob was saying, oral tradition sometimes was more accurate than written tradition at this point. Like oral tradition was so important to these cultures. It's like well, that the was the norm. By the time Moses writes down the Pentateuch, it's like these stories were handed down for how many thousands of years before he finally commits pen to paper. You know, it's it's not it's really oral tradition is a really powerful thing in the ancient world. So it's it's not so, uh, you know, flippant as just, you know, how accurate are the are the scriptures? These are these are men who traveled with Jesus for three years, hearing these stories over and over and over to the point where the apostles can go on a mission and preach the parables. Now, while Jesus is still here. Yeah. They know these parables in and out. And Rob's right. That really is showing the, like the power of oral tradition. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, like we said, it was the norm at the time because for one, not every people, the literacy rate was not what it is today. Obviously pen and paper were quite expensive. Like, like what, what I think there was a website out there that estimated, uh, I believe it was the book of Romans. Cause that's Paul's longest letter. I believe how expensive it was to write that book. If, if you were to, put it in today's money it, yeah. because uh have you ever seen that before no i'm gonna see if i can find it because there was there was a guy that put together on on the cost of of ink uh pens paper you know the parchment and all that yeah, and just and just the labor 
Yeah, and the labor and, alone. I mean, you have to handwrite it. You don't have a printing press. Um, I just want to see if I, I want to just address Kevin real quick. Um, so Kevin, you're okay. So Kevin, you're an agnostic. I, I would say this: it's a very long series to get through. I would honestly, if you've never read scripture, I would watch the second half of the of the Jesus of Nazareth. Kevin, Kevin is a former Catholic raised in the FSSP. Oh, would I as an agnostic person who enjoys Catholicism enjoy the chosen? Oh, he, oh, wait, is he the one who does those? Uh, okay, okay, Kevin, I know who you He's are. He's done videos with Kyle. Yeah, yeah, I know who you are, Kevin. I've actually watched a couple of your videos. You're not hostile towards Catholicism, which I appreciate. I mean, you disagree with it. So, okay, so you know scripture then. Okay, yeah, I would say you probably would enjoy it. I mean, season one, I think you'll enjoy, especially if you know these stories already. I think season one is really enjoyable. Season two, I wasn't crazy about. I kind of like season three. I'm not going to lie. I didn't, I didn't hate it. Season one was definitely my favorite though. Okay. So, so it says right here that um, in today's money, it would have cost St. Paul $2,275 to write the letter to the Romans. Yeah. Well, oh, just the letter to the Romans, just the letter to the Romans, just for him to write one copy. Wow. Wow. That's wow, that's a lot wild. Yeah, that's a lot of money. So, so, so I thought you were talking about the entire Bible. Tradition was 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 pretty pretty important. Well, Daniel, the reason we're doing this review series is because we do know a lot of Catholics do watch it, and and there are times where, like like we were saying before, there are times where the church fathers contradict what they're doing in the show, and we want to make sure the Catholics have a place they could go to hear where that contradiction is. Um, the the show is not really. I mean, it it uses the biblical narrative. But it doesn't. It's not. It's not like these stories. T- I mean, the the. I would say that the the interactions of the parables and the interactions of Christ are from Scripture. Everything else on the side is all worked around to try to fit into that story, though. Um. There was okay. So then you had um. The 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 Hellenist Jew goes back and goes to Shmuel. Shmuel, what a name! I, I, I enjoyed when he told him to take off that. <laughs> that's why I was. That's why I brought. That's why I wrote a note there because it's like, um, I think what the show is trying to do is like show how these these little things that the the Pharisees are obsessing on. It's like, well, well, you're wearing the wrong shirt. You're wearing the wrong shirt. Like you're observing the letter of the law and missing the heart of the law, right? And Jesus does do a lot of that. Like he does flip a lot of these things on their head. And it's like it's it's not the mouth it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man right one of uh my favorite lines of the show was uh when the 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 three pharisees came up and started interviewing everyone after the miracle right and uh i forget who it was i think it was one of the syrophoenicians says i tell them that god performed a miracle and they say but he ate with the wrong people Uh, that was that made me laugh out loud like actually laugh out loud I loved it. Yeah. It's true though, right? Like I tell them he healed a man and they say he did it in front of the wrong people. He was eating with the wrong people. He ate with the wrong people. Yeah. And it, and and there's something true about that. And that and there's something very true about Jesus when when he when he talks about uh, the fasting laws and they're like, oh, you, you didn't fast properly. And he says, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man. It's what comes out of the mouth. Now I have guys I work with who haven't been to mass in 10 years. And they won't eat meat on Fridays during Lent. And it, and it drives me nuts. Like, it really drives me nuts. Like, these guys, 
it's just cultural Catholicism for them at that point. It's superstition is what it is. Right. Because the, at that point, you're talking about superstition. These are guys who they think that, like, they'll actually believe that if I if I eat meat on a Friday during Lent, I'll go to hell. And it's like, dude, you're going to go to hell because you haven't been to, you haven't been to mass. Do they yeah, cross I'm, themselves in front of churches and all that stuff? Uh oh. Are they Italian, basically? <laughs> oh, he looks really him. annoyed with us right now. No, no, no. I switched <laughs> Wi Fi. I'm sorry. No, I, 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 I was just asking do they, um, do the, uh, when they pass a church, a Catholic church, do they still cross themselves as yep. well? They'll yeah. cross themselves when they pass a, a cemetery, a Catholic church. They won't eat meat on Fridays during Lent. But yet, they haven't been to mass in twenty years. Some of them are on their third marriage. These are these are these weird things that that and I and I'll actually say to them. Same here. I, I'll say to them like, "Hey, dude, like I know you're worried about eating a piece of chicken on Friday, but it's not what goes in the mouth; it's what comes out of the mouth." And and the whole purpose of Lent and fasting during Lent is to grow your relationship closer to God. It's not about if I eat meat, I'm going to go to hell. It's like yeah. the, there's there's been such a disconnect in catechesis for certain people that they really have a, a misunderstanding of these little laws and rules. And it's like, yeah. you're missing the whole point. So I th- I did think that that scene was interesting, how Shmuel was obsessing on that little thing. And it seemed like one of those moments where Jesus would have said, like the, the, the whole point and why the Jews had these strange laws, right? They couldn't mix this, this animal hair with this one. They couldn't have mix shellfish. They, they couldn't mix they, linens. Yeah. They couldn't mix linens. They could, there were all these weird laws is because God wanted to make these people so unique and weird that he they wanted to form them into a nation while they were in the desert. Right, and wanted to make them so unique and weird that they wouldn't intermarry with other cultures. He wanted to keep them as a very peculiar people that everybody would look on and go, man, these Jews are weird, you know, and to prevent them from intermarrying. And and he does that so that the Messiah can come from the Jews because the, the because salvation comes from the Jews. So he keeps these people really strange and weird. And, the, and really the show is doing a good job of, of showing how the mystery of what Christ actually does is he unites Jew and Gentile, but they miss that that whole thing happens through the Eucharistic kingdom. Because what you have in Judaism is they're all going to the temple because you have to go to the temple to sacrifice your sheep at Passover every year. Like you have to, you have to go to Israel. You have to be able to go to the temple to sacrifice your lamb every Passover. Otherwise your firstborn son will die. What happens with Christ is, his body is the temple. So tear this temple down in three days. I'll rebuild it. And when he rises, his body is the temple. So now the body of Christ, which is the host, wherever the host is, there is the kingdom. So now the kingdom, wherever the Eucharist is celebrated is now the temple is all over the world. So it takes this very localized nation and makes it possible for that to go throughout the world. Now the Protestants think it's just about preaching, but they're missing that the temple is the Eucharist and the Eucharist of Christ. It's a Eucharistic kingdom, and wherever the king is, there is the kingdom. Margo says, I'm just glad we could eat bacon. <laughs> it's one of the few foods she does eat. That's funny. <laughs> She's so picky. She loves pineapple, though. Ever since Yanni left Shmuel in the market to preach and was basically like, good luck, I've had a sore spot for... Now, there there was a scene towards the end of the episode where Shmuel... Uh, has this discussion with Jesus and it, it almost hints that like he might have a conversion. What do you guys think? I think sure. he's got a good question. Sure. Seems what happened to them praying together? 
Mm-hmm. They're I just pray together we, and then. Yeah, I, I just think don't they, think we saw it. Yeah, I just think they didn't show that, and they'll maybe yeah. show it next next season. So, um, yes, Daniel's right. Yeah, like my friends that we're talking about, like they're all spoiled rotten in this modern age. They think it's just it's a superstition to them. It's not about penance. They don't even understand the concept of penance. They don't understand the concept of repentance of, of having sorrow for your sins. It's like you're talking about guys who are so addicted to whatever they're doing that it, it doesn't even well, occur I, to them. I want to make a comment about Rabbi Shmuel, however you say his name. Nobody um, yeah, will make fun of you for mispronouncing that one. If, if you notice the three rabbis that were there, or the three Pharisees that were there, he's the only one that on his face, he looks like he's in shock. He's confused. He doesn't yeah. know what to think. So I, it, it's, it almost seems like, like you said, Anthony, they are setting him up for a conversion. We didn't say what that, we didn't see how the prayer went or what they prayed, uh, Jesus and him. Uh, maybe they'll show it next season, yeah. but, uh, but I think either way, even if they don't, it's interesting that he went and still prayed with Jesus, even though he was trying to convict him and get him in trouble and, and, and stuff like that. He still chose to go pray with him. So, <clears throat> so um, we, we kind of jumped ahead with that whole thing. We, we probably should have saved that towards the end, but so um, after this hell, uh, Shmuel with the Hellenist uh, Jew, uh, that, that whole thing. Now you jump back to the scene where Jesus actually starts preaching some of the words from John's gospel and starts getting into I and the father. I want you can, he who, he who sees the son sees the father. Like he's really getting into the, the Johannine literature and using that language of uh, the father and the son. And, and I thought they would show a little more controversy where the, there would be like this outrage and calls for blasphemy because when Jesus does that in scripture, like it enrages the Jews. Like they really think he's blaspheming because this, these are scenes where Jesus is actually equating himself with the father and, and making himself equal to the father, you know? Mm-hmm. And, th- and then he jumps right into take my yoke upon you, which Rob and I discussed with Tim Flanders on Saturday. So my, um, I want to read, read something to you guys. Uh, my this is this episode story hour with anthony <laughs> it actually is <laughs> no i'm enjoying um, it though no seriously though let's see where is it where is it hey we, we should just been quiet you know anthony bum, hates the quietness bum, bum, <laughs> i get really bum. nervous about it <laughs> here i'll play music while anthony no, 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 no. <laughs> we all know everyone. Oh, yeah. We want to see things for the way they really are. Open our eyes. I'll lose it. All right. So now I want you guys to hear this. So this is actually from Second Chronicles. All right. So, uh, wrote. Rehoboam, I think his name was a Roabim. He's oh, Solomon's Rehoboam, right? Because Tim was confusing me with his pronunciation of it, but I think it's Rehoboam. So he's Solomon's son. Solomon passes away, and the and the people come to Rehoboam and they say, "Your father gave us a heavy burden, and the yoke was too heavy. Can you lighten our burden?" So the young men who had grown up with him replied, "This is what you must." So so now Rehoboam goes to his friends. And he says, the people are asking me for mercy. What should I say? And and the young men who had grown up with him replied, 
This is what you must say to the people who have told you, your father laid a heavy yoke on us, lighten it for us. And they're asking to lighten it. You must say, my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. My father put a heavy yoke on you. I will make it heavier. What what happened? Did I miss something? There was a funny joke. Right. We'll explain that. So (laughs) your father laid a heavy yoke on us, lighten it for us. You must say, my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. My father put a heavy yoke on you. I will make it heavier. My father beat you with whips. I will use scorpions. So what, what Ray Bones, what the friends are telling him to say is, look, my father gave you a heavy burden. My little finger is bigger than my father's cojones. Like Anthony listens to Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots. Kevin, I, nobody can sing Eddie Vedder like me. I'm just telling you. You give me a mic at karaoke night. So every time I hear the word loins, I think of Smokey and the Bandit. (laughs) There's no way, no way you came from my loins. No, y'all don't watch Smokey and the Bandit. You never Never saw it in my life, Jason. (laughs) I'm gonna get off this show. (laughs) Anyway, so so. So the, uh, the that whole scenario um, is is to me that that Old Testament thing is now you flash forward to Jesus saying, "Come to me, all you who are heavy burden, and take my take my yoke upon you. My, you know, I will I will give you rest. Like my yoke is easy. And, and now, if you really think about it, is Jesus's yoke really easy? I mean, it's one of the hardest things in the world, right? Well, it's a cross. But what does he say? He says, take my yoke upon you. My burden is light and easy to carry. Now, what he's doing is he's alluding back to this scenario with uh, Rehoboam because the people go to him. Now, Jesus is a descendant of Solomon and Rehoboam because he's in the line of David. So this new king, king, king this king new new son of david comes and he makes their burden light and 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 easy now the thing is his burden is extremely hard it's a cross but there's something that makes it light in your soul when you actually live by the command if you actually are when you accept it yeah there's something that is like his burden is light and easy to bear not that it's easy to live out but it's very easy to i mean when you have a clean conscience with god there's no no greater feeling. Suffer, suffering is much easier when you have learned to accept it than when yeah. you rail against it. And have God's grace to get through it. Mm-hmm. Right? When, when God is giving us the grace to actually get through it, it's a, it's a very different scenario. So, um, yeah, it's like the, the, the road to heaven is heaven. The road to hell is hell. Um, then you got... Okay, so now that now after that happens, Jesus says, All right, everybody, I'm tired. Let's take a rest. And he's gonna go and, and get some sleep. And they start talking about everybody being hungry. How do you think they handled the feeding of the five thousand? So when that look when that kid came up, it was like, I know it's not much, but I want to share. I'm like, no. <laughs> They're doing it. They're making the miracle the miracle of sharing. No. <laughs> I wasn't worried at all. I knew Protestants would have I mean, that's so some many, Jesuit so theology there. So many Catholics today have PTSD from that now. <laughs> I know. No, I thought like, okay, so I thought it was in a way kind of cheesy how they were handing it out, maybe, but 
Um, oh, wait, no, no, no. we'll we'll get into that. Hold on, hold on. We, okay, so here's what happens. You, so you we'll, asked what we thought. I did. You're right, 100. percent But we'll, you're we'll, like, we'll, you, you didn't have absolutely. to say shut up. There, talk, Jason. There we go. I'll let you talk. <laughs> well, he's probably reading comments now, not even listening. No, listen. Here's the reason. <laughs> why hold you up. You, uh, okay, actually, you better talk while he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll wait. We'll, we'll see what he there's, there's a very specific reason I wanted to hold you up because we missed something in between there. So they, they go to bed that night, and then when they wake up the next morning, uh, you get the parable of the two sons. Then you get the parable of the pearl of great price. Okay? Now, I love those two parables, right? Those are two really good parables. But then we get into the feeding of the 5,000. Well, and enjoy this- the whole collection. Just, just be honest. I, I love the parables. That's true. But um, with the feeding of the 5,000, the, the, the music playing in the background yeah. is so much worse than the song Rob just played. <laughs> I didn't even pay that much attention to it, I don't think. Well, I don't think there was lyrics. It was just like generic, crappy rock music, right? It was, it was so bad. It, just it sounded was like, like the music we put on uh, off, the, the, off the rails one. I don't know. It sounded more like something like Hillsong United would have written or something. I don't know. No, no, no. That was the mass I was at on Sunday. Trust me. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what's? You know what? And I don't know if there's necessarily a connection, and you guys can correct me if if I'm wrong. But well, don't worry. <laughs> but with the with the fish and the loaves, you know, they're eating bread and meat, and and every time I I, I think about that now, like meat and bread and stuff like that, I almost always think back to. Um, when the Israelites were in the desert, because God gave them, manna uh, you know, manna from heaven, but He also gave them uh, was quail. it quail? You yeah. know, He gave them meat to eat as well, which is also, again, a f- obviously a foreshadowing of the Eucharist. But it's always interesting that when He was feeding, in the two instances where He's feeding the crowds, it's always meat and and bread. So, now did you guys notice that before He actually? Uh, multiplies the loaves. He raises the host mm-hmm. up in the Absolutely. air like a priest consecrating yep. the Absolutely. Eucharist. I mean, and I really love that he, he did sh- that. You know, he should have turned his back to everyone. Really <laughs> his back was to to the crowd. It was towards the apostles, but it was to the crowd. Kind of sideways, right? It he was- raised that host up, and it was a big round it host. Like he be- was. Ra- he looked that, like a Catholic priest be, saying the I was consecration. Gonna say, the 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 people that advise him on the show. I know he said he he's mentioned he's had different face. That had to be a major Catholic influence on that because I would think beyond, so. It was beyond obvious what he was doing. Hundred percent. He was a Catholic priest raising the host, and it's just I'm telling you, this whole scene just reeked of not reeked, but it it really just it was so in like drenched and. And Catholic and, theology. And I've never actually put a visual together on the, you know, he when he feeds them in the sense that they had the baskets and then afterwards they still had leftovers to fill the 12 baskets. And uh, I just like how they all, you know, cut it up and they're cutting little pieces and they toss it in and then they put the lid back on, they go to pick it up and they're like, yeah, I can barely lift this. <laughs> and then at the end, it's like they didn't even make a dent in it. I, I, yeah. I just, I thought it really portrayed, you know, I hope they did something looked. with those leftovers or they committed an ecological sin. 
<laughs> no, but, but they did a great job of showing how they all ate until they were full okay. and still had leftover. And that Jesus said, like, he always gives you more than you could ever ask mm-hmm. for. You know, it was a really, a really beautiful thing. I actually have in my notes, terrible rock song ensues. Oh, oh <laughs> let me, let me add to in it. And I think it kind of maybe relates to us today because it's a lack of of trust in the disciples is you know at the time because they're concerned about all the well how are we going to feed these people how are we going to do this how are we going to do that never looking to Jesus and saying he can do it but Simon Peter keeps keeps telling them if Jesus wants to take care of it yeah, he will but- and that can relate to us but, but I'm just saying that can relate to so much in our lives because there's many times where we try to depend on our understanding and our logic and situations instead of saying Jesus or God will handle it how they see fit. And, and when G- obviously Jesus was not oblivious to their hunger and their murmuring about how they were hungry, but when it was time, he took care of it. And not just that you see Peter during this whole thing, Peter just like, he's really upset still. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he has no doubt that Jesus is going to feed them where everybody else is like, how are we going to feed? And yeah. Peter's just like, if he wants to feed but them, he's, he'll feed he's them. taking it as like a personal insult. He is, he but is, he also but he but also. There's, but there's still a lesson in that. Like if he, whatever he wants to do, he's going to do. Like I'm not even surprised by any. Nothing shocks Peter anymore. Peter has seen enough where he knows who he is, right? And and and, and I think that the reason I bring that up, I'm not going to get into all the debates and all that. But I think I think this scene relates into all the the liter, you know, the liturgy wars and the concerns that we have because ultimately, in God's time, He will handle it. You know, yeah. irregardless of, of of all our murmuring and complaining, when the time is right, he will handle it. Now, yeah. uh, again, we still have responsibilities, of course, but I think sometimes we excite ourselves too much on things that are out of our control. I mean, I looked at this whole episode and I saw Peter complaining and complaining, and I'm like, I just saw myself in it. Like, I really did. I saw all the the things about the church and all the things I'm not happy with the way they're going. And I'm and I'm upset that we might lose our Latin mass and all that. And it's like it really hit home with me where where with this whole scene we're about to get into with the walking on water, because um, but real quick, I actually wanted before we even get into that, uh, Samantha uh, made this uh, that she just listened to the Brant Petrie um bibles uh the eucharistic series on formed so uh with my kids with their um catechism that i'm that i've been doing i kind of whip through their their catechism book and they have to turn in 15 homeworks each so i help them do those 15 homeworks like on week two we just got through those 15 homeworks and what i've been doing is going on the formed app and they have some awesome things to help catechize your kids where they're they're pretty engaging and it's way better than anything they're going to learn if they go to religion at your local parish like that you you'll actually be able to teach your kids the faith if you just get them to sit down to they have like an eight-part series on the eucharist they have they have a they have a, a, a series on just who is God. They have all these talks from Ram Petrie and all these guys. So every Sunday after mass, we come home and my kids have to sit and we watch something an hour on formed. And then we have a conversation about it. So if you guys don't have the form that it's definitely something, if you have kids that you want to get. Look, well, th- there's two comments before we move on that, uh, that I kind of want to bring up. If you look at Samantha's where she also says, and don't forget, he did this miracle. And like two days later, they asked how he was going to feed the people again, short memories. <laughs> That really speaks to uh, no, but that really speaks to people's hearts, right? What are you after in, in in your heart? Are you after 
are you seeking after Jesus or are you seeking after your your own desires? Because obviously, if you're seeking after your own desires and your own needs, that that faith will be short lived, right? And th- and that came into us talking about the visionary or the the supposed apparition in Kenya the other day because somebody got a little upset in the paleocrat chat that we were a little harsh on the on the the on African the literature. Miracle? Well, they, 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 I thought that's what they were mad at. They were actually upset how harsh we were towards them, you know, dancing around in their liturgy and stuff. So, yeah, that's but, that wasn't a Zaire use Novus Ordo liturgy, it wasn't, it was an American Novus, Novus Ordo, right? So, that it was literally liturgical abuse by definition, yeah. So, screw them. And, and the other comment was uh, 2B16P. <laughs> it says Simon wouldn't have been so angry if he didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. Yeah, and, and, yeah, you're probably right. Simon so wouldn't I think have been angry at all because it was a completely made up event and storyline. Well, yeah, but if if we take it what it is, but 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 they're right. You know, if if Simon really didn't believe who Jesus was, who he said he was, he's like, oh well, this is I just got bad luck or whatever. You know, I'm just unfortunate. All right, so now so now we go into the 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 apostles go on the boat. Jesus goes off. We talked about the conversation he has with Shmuel, whatever his name is. <laughs> the apostles are out on the boat, and the, the boat Shmuel. Caitlin, Caitlin quoted Rob here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so now you get. Um, so now the apostles are out on the boat. The boat is rocking hard. And they see Jesus off did in the you, distance. Did, did you ever envision that boat being bigger? Did you always envision it like a rowboat? Bigger. I always envision like a big sailboat or something. Yeah, not a little rowboat. I mean, I mean, I, I, really I actually don't know, but I've but, but I've never thought about it being that small of a boat. I think I already had an image in my head from watching Jesus of Nazareth since I was a kid. Shmuel is a classic Amish name. It is. I don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> Shmuel. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's go easy on the amish tonight we'll <laughs> uh, does anybody remember the show touched by an angel i used to love that oh, show is that how the series terrible. is i never saw touched by an angel now um uh okay so samantha we're gonna get into this because i wept um and i think this is the scene that made you weep too right rob this is the scene no, you... I, it was earlier when the oh okay by this by okay. this point I was I well okay no you're right I teared up a little at this scene I was also so, pissed but I teared up at it too All right so now because he, I teared up I guess For anybody that didn't actually see the show what's going on is the the boat's going nuts they see Jesus off in the distance they think he's a ghost and this is the scene where Jesus where Peter <laughs> says to Jesus says Lord if it is really you call me <laughs> Uh, in the proper New Living Translation, it's a pontoon. <laughs> I'm about to tell something emotional here. Stop it. And uh, <laughs> what's, what's that? What's that one? Which, which is that? The is New Living the one that's like all street talk? I don't know. I have that version. I actually looked it up. It's like it's literally an ebonics. It's like an ebonics <laughs> translation of the Bible. When, when they describe the boat in that one, it's just T Pain's. I'm on a boat. <laughs> all right so listen so we see jesus off they think he's a ghost now now peter uh says lord if it is really you t- tell me to come to you and I, and I will go now he goes he's able to walk for a little bit and jesus says keep your eyes on me uh peter takes his eyes off him and he falls in the water and he says lord save me right now this is this is important because it's 
Peter, everybody gives Peter a lot of like guff for like, oh, Peter, you fell in the water. You took your eyes off Jesus. But it's like he had enough faith to step out on the water during a storm. Yeah. Would you, <laughs> you know, then he looks away. He starts falling in. And what's his reaction? Lord, yeah. save me. Right. And that's what we're all supposed to do. Right now, when Jesus grabs Peter and Peter's hugging him and Peter's going, I'm so sorry. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. This is one of the, this is the only time in this show that I've ever seen that I had a deep emotional response to. So what this did was um, five years ago, right? It's 2023. So back in 2018, five years ago, um, Credit to the Mormons. This scene was done extremely well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chill out the comments for a minute. So five years ago, um, I, I come back to the church and my wife doesn't come in with me. Like this is a really tense situation going on in my marriage. Things got so bad uh, between us that I had to leave my home for a couple of weeks and go stay with my mother. Now, this is right after my conversion, and I'm like, I've come to God, and my wife hasn't, and my life is falling apart, like literally falling apart in shambles. My, my marriage is on the verge of falling. Like I, I thought my marriage was going to end over me coming back to God, and my wife was just in a totally different place than me. I'm living with my mother for uh, uh, like weeks, and I remember sitting at Holy Innocence in Manhattan sitting before the crucifix and bawling my eyes out in anger at God. Like, is this what you brought me back to you for? Like, is this, is this what I get? Like I come back to you. Like I'm trying to change my life. I'm trying to fix everything. And my whole life is falling apart. Within two weeks of that instance, I wind up, my wife winds up having like a major conversion, right? And I remember going back to Holy Innocence and weeping tears of joy and begging God to forgive me for ever doubting him and just begging him, please don't let me go. There was such a, a connection of my experience in my marriage. Almost, and like you're dealing with Peter almost losing his marriage, like things are really bad. He's really angry with God. And then all of a sudden Jesus saves him. And when he was like when Jesus was holding him in his arms and he was just weeping uncontrollably, just like, Lord, don't let me go. Don't let me go. Like I could not help, but just choke. Like I had to actually pause the show and just like, I was like, Oh my gosh, man. Like we forget those times where we think God is totally absent from our lives. And meanwhile, he's there holding us the whole time. And he's got a plan that you just can't see yet. And you only see it in hindsight later on, but you just don't know what God's plans are in the moment. Well, and, and what does Jesus tell uh, uh, Peter in the show that was really a gut punch? And, and I can't remember exactly how it was, but it's like where Jesus tells Peter, I put you, basically I put you through trials. So you're ready you know, uh, uh, to, to come to me or, or, or however he words it. And, and I just, I thought that was good. Cause like you said, a lot of times when we're in trials, um, especially when they're quite difficult, we, we seem to blame God and say, why me? And then on the latter side of, of, of that trial, almost all the time you, you say, you know, man, God, that trial God is what brought good. me closer to God. It's like, yep. it's like, we forget. It's like, you, you, you gotta realize it's easier said than done too. Way easier. Yeah, and when, when times are good, 
you're not leaning on God nearly as much. Like everything's going fine. It's like, you're not, but when tragedy hits, well, that's why, you know, when they talk about the rich man, it's harder for a rich man to go through the, uh, how does I have a needle than a camel. It's easier for a rich man to get, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that, because, because when you're, when you're living in luxury and ease, a lot of times we tend to forget uh, about God because, you know, we, we think we've got it made. And th- of course, that's not the case for all. There's a, ri- a lot of good, wealthy, you know, faithful Catholics and stuff like that. But it's it's harder to remain faithful with a life of ease. Yeah. So, like, think about this comment. This is why I said when I, when I texted the telegram earlier, I was like, this show, I hate to love it. It's like, I hate that those, I'll tell you, man. There's a lot of cringe in the show, but those powerful moments are really powerful, man. Yeah. Yet, here's the thing, though. They created a season-long fictional storyline to blatantly, like, emotionally manipulate you to have the reaction you That's did. That's not emotional. But, Rob, what is a it story? It is too emotional manipulation. But what is a story? Like, you watch this a good movie a and you read. This is the gospel that they're portraying. It's the greatest story but ever told. There's- and they're yeah, using but the, this one. They're, they're so doing why the do you, by Dallas Jenks, Jenkins. Why don't you look at it as an allegory instead of the gospel? Yeah, but because I don't think I, I don't think the chosen and de- I don't think the chosen and well, I mean, you can make the same argument against the mystics as well. Well, it's not scripture, right? Um, at least they were Catholic. Well, yeah, that's true. They are that. But I'm just saying, like, I don't think that Dallas Jenkins and the, and the producer of the chosen ever make the claim or would make the claim that. The, the 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 scenes with Peter and his wife or scripture. They're not but scriptural. But they've got to fill in the blanks. Is is, is there? Really, this is what's it. making the story a little bit. It, look, it's relatable. It's relatable. It's making. It's putting a little bit of flavor into a story. We all know. Look, if you want the gospel, go read the gospel. But there's something about this story that's showing these encounters with Christ that they're setting them in the first century, but they're very modern for people that are struggling with a lot of the issues that we're struggling with today. So it was kind of like an updated uh, telling of the story. And I don't, I don't mind it as much as Rob, I get what you're saying. That's emotional manipulation, but every good movie is emotional manipulation. They're always trying to get you but, to have a, a, well, well, a moment. Think of the way you ended feeling at this, at this episode, right? All about like leaning on Jesus and, and all that, which of course we should. Okay, but but so they created a whole season. Um, they crafted the whole storyline so that at the end of it, like you feel like you just need a, to to put your faith in Jesus. No. At what point do, are they calling us to be better, to do better, to take up the cross? Like I have not felt that a single one time in this show. No. Instead, this whole show feels like it's calling us to you're okay where you are. You don't need to be any different. You don't need to do any better. Just have your, your I do get that. Right. I do get that. They're showing all the mistakes. Like but you I don't... say, it's, it, the whole show is an altar call. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I see an aspect of that. But, uh, but what I, what this did to me is. Well, I'm, 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 I'm going to d- just disagree a little bit because like at the, at the end, yeah, they, you could say emotional ma- manipulation, I don't know if I would necessarily look at that necessarily in a in a negative light because Oh, did I lose you? No. No. Oh, my my whole thing froze here. I don't I don't really look at that as a bad thing because yes, m- maybe maybe the storyline with Peter and his wife 
Um, I mean, is it real, right? It's a made up. Yeah, it's not, it's not scriptural in a very emotional one, but at the end, it brings out the emotion in a good way towards Jesus, towards a story that actually happened in the gospel. And I know when I like, like when I was watching it, yeah, I know, I know all that's not real. The storyline, I know it's filler, but at the end I'm looking at it. And, and, and when Peter is looking at Jesus in the water, uh, while he's walking on the water and everything, I remember thinking to myself, "I need to have more faith in you know, you know, Jesus and, and, and myself." And, Rob, and, the- and, and 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 when, of course, when we say faith as Catholics, we look at that more as it's not just like a, a faith with no action. Obviously, there are actions behind that faith to show your faith as a living faith. But 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 I think overall, I wouldn't complain that that they've emotionally manipulated me at the end, because at, at the end of the day, I think the emotion that it elicits at the end is, is a good thing. But not just that Peter is suffering, right, Rob? And Jesus doesn't heal him, not heal his wife. And he says to him, Peter, I'm preparing you for something yeah, through I, your I, suffering. I I'm preparing you for something. And that's, and, and that, and, and we all should relate to that. And then on top real, I get what you're saying. Okay, okay, it is, but that's but they go you're going into it knowing that. Now this thing might be, but 90% of the people out there are I think it's gonna make about this a a lot of poems that people write are not real. The parables aren't real stories that Jesus tells, but it teaches a lesson to people to, to 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 you know bring them closer to Christ, to learn about the kingdom of God. I mean, I don't think a story has to be 100 percent factual to have a a good message and and, and bring you to a uh, a better understanding of a reality. Right. But this is, this is a story created by someone who doesn't who says they don't believe there is a correct interpretation of scripture. Who cares what he says as long yeah, as we're not finding something heretical in here. I understand your your what you're saying. But what, <laughs> I'm saying this, this is thing- dangerous for the vast majority of people that watch it. Okay. Sure. Well, if you're a Catholic who knows your stuff, yeah, okay, that's it's probably just fine. You're not going to like it because you know your stuff. But I think it may her. lead people to want to read the, the scripture. But what this did to me, it didn't um, elicit an emotional response because of Peter's scenario. It elicited an emotional response because it reminded me of an encounter I had with Christ in the past. So I, it wasn't an emotional. I don't think I, if I didn't have that that thing with my marriage happened. I don't know if this wouldn't have brought me to tears. It's, it just, it really reminded me of a time when I was way closer to Christ, when things were a mess in my life. Well, and I, I kind of needed that. And this, and I was about to bring up this comment as well, because I'm guilty of it myself. I, I do think as Catholics, sometimes we also write off the whole feels too much. Like, you know, sometimes we try to be more of an intellectual faith because your faith should be a mixture of both, right? Of intellectual and feels. And I feel like the Protestants are well, all about feels, no intellect. And sometimes I, Catholics I, I, were guilty I would of the say opposite. It shouldn't be emotional. Emotions, like, do you, you know why you say that? Because you're phlegmatic. You're a phlegmatic melancholic and you want to just be. No, 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 no. You got to understand emotions are a physical response. It's yeah. not, they're not part of the intellect. They're part of your physical body. So, so your, your response shouldn't be physical. It should be, you should have both faith in, in charity and love. Right. But that doesn't mean you need to feel like actual emotions because is I, love an emotion feel, feeling those. No, love is not an emotion. Like 
the physical emotions, that means you were manipulated. Something caught, literally manipulated your physical body to feel that way. Rob, right? I'm just you're, you're I'm, a robot. I get it. You don't want to. I cried. I cried in this show twice. Listen, no, I, I, I mean, Listen, I just, I, you're I just angry, angry that the show you. made you cry. I think you're <laughs> angry that the show made you cry. I think it pissed you off that you had to step outside of your comfort zone and you and you're not you're not able to just be. What's the, what did you say? What's the phlegmatic melancholic that you could come off as what? Like uh, aloof and uh, unattached. Yeah, like that. Like you got mad that like this show it kind of uh, it pulled a little response out of you. You don't like that. No, so. I've actually found since having kids, like stuff hits you way harder, oh, way differently. Yeah, right? like, like I cry way more than I ever did before. Well, and um, and and I disagree with you in the sense on the emotion because I think I think emotion is an important part of faith. That doesn't, there, but there's a difference in uncontrolled emotion and controlled emotion, right? Like, uh, like like when you get the people that speak in tongues or or whatever that's kind of like like your uh, pentecostals that's uncontrolled right, right they're just yeah. they're just going all over the place but i can have a controlled emotional response and well, i should i should have and, like, emotional like responses like what samantha's saying here like um i would say you you can't take when i say manipulation i don't mean like in a conniving sense i mean like in the fact that something was literally you know manipulated like physically uh so i would say like yeah being having the eucharist move you to 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 tears obviously well it's like real like i always well real quick anthony just let me correct myself maybe maybe controlled and uncontrolled emotion wasn't the proper term but maybe what i what i should have said is a well-informed emotion right it's not just an emotion based on how something makes me feel in that instance it, it's formed why do i have this emotion right uh, I, yes i would say anytime you feel of a, a physical emotional response you should look really really look at it and, and see why that is because so, something's doing it and in this show what what i guess in a way you guys are right i was upset because i cried but it was i was upset because when when i looked at the reasons why it was because they are purposefully doing it, and you didn't like yes. feeling manipulated, basically. Rob, right. you're, and, you're, and, and of course, there's, man, there's movies in, in books and in, in fiction that, like, yeah, fiction does that. It's <laughs> meant to do that, right? I want to. I want to. I just... have a feeling so many people are not going to realize that about this show, right? They're not. Well, that's gonna... why we're doing this show, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Anthony, yeah. W- 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 one more thing. One more thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> one more thing. I promise. Um. <laughs> Well, I just want to say uh, up earlier, 2B16 said Protestants are not all about emotional response. We're pretty intellectual, too. Yes, I understand that that, that there is intellect. Wait, she's Protestant? Listen, I guess yeah, so. She, I think, I think when I made possibly. when I made that comment, I'm talking about your general run-of-the-mill, low-church Charismatics. Yeah, charismatic stuff like that. I know there are intellectuals within the Protestant you know, movement. I, I, I Maybe I shouldn't have Jason generalized. Jason was one of them. I I don't know if I was intellectual, but I was a Protestant. <laughs> I uh, I'm so, I thought the B sixteen stood for Benedict the sixteenth in her name. I didn't know you were a Protestant. That's so cool. Here you, you, here you thought she was the Benny Plenist. <laughs> I thought she was the Benny Plenist of the group. You're Lutheran. My wife was uh, Lutheran when we got, when we got married. Know, That's pretty funny. Certain YouTubers would say they're the same thing. 
All right, so real quick, the gift of tears that uh, Margo just mentioned, right? So my dad, uh, I told the story of my dad losing his brother the other night. My, my dad's brother uh, killed himself when yeah. he was 17. Yeah. Um, my dad never, ever shed a tear in his life. Uh, after his brother took his own life, um, my dad had his conversion and through his conversion wound up getting the gift of tears. Now, my father hasn't been to mass in over a decade at this point. But anytime you mention God in front of my dad, and I don't care if it's just flippantly, if he's just mentioning, yeah, you know, if you go, like, if you talk about church or God, my dad's eyes start pouring water out of them and he has no control over it. And it has nothing to do with an emotional. He actually, like, he's been, he told me, like, it made him mad one time that God gave it to him because he can't even have a conversation with people sometimes about something where like either God or something to do with his children comes up. He just starts weeping. And he's like, you can't even have a conversation with somebody when I get all choked up and you got ugly cry face on. It's really the most annoying thing in the world, you know? Um, and, and also I would say um, having an emotional, um, like an, an emotional response. It is, it is part of the intellect as well. Like, I, I think that there's, there's a lot to do with temperaments in this whole thing. So um, there it is. <laughs> it is because look, look, what, hour look, twenty. That's that's longer than most. Lauren said it. Phlegmatic melancholics have no emotions. Where I'm, or you know, uh, I wear my or, heart on my uh, sleeve. Psychopaths you know? don't. Um, Anthony, you should have your dad on the show sometime. Sounds like a cool do you, guest. Do you know what the shortest? Do you know what the shortest? Uh, verse in the Bible is. Do y'all know? I do know that. I just have to remember it. Uh, my name is Britta. Okay, let's try to remember that. And my uh, last name starts with a P. So I'm a teacher, so I'm careful. But that's actually pretty smart, Britta. Uh, very, it's Jesus cool. wept. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Yeah. An emotional right. response to losing a friend. Britta, how do you um how do you feel watching uh uh the Catholic commentary on this show. I, I, I find it so interesting. Yeah. 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 I think I know. I, I'm just curious how, how you uh, perceive the Catholic commentary of it. Like, I, I mean, it's pretty funny. We all fight with each other about it. Right. Like, like yeah, me and Jason like the show way more I than think, Rob. I think she's a Minnesotan too, actually. I actually think too many people pissing their Cheerios too much, just in life in general, where they have to have an issue with everything. So that's, that's kind of another reason that I'm not, as hard on the show. <laughs> um, Timothy, I'm sanguine um, choleric. So I go from emotion to emotion, but it's, I go from joy and happiness to I will kill you. Let me tell you. <laughs> Real quick. I'm texting you throughout the day is like a roller coaster. <laughs> Especially with some of the drama we've been dealing with behind the scenes the past couple of days. Like, um, we thank God we, we healed our little thing with joe right like i was really bent at, like joe's yeah, my man. real life friend i was really upset about this whole thing with the delisting of the show and joe took it very personally and he he didn't realize there were other, like it, it was never about joe it was other things that happened and joe was so mad that like he wasn't speaking to me and this is a real life friend and how do i get you that mad uh i get mad that quick but i apologize right after like I get he's mad like, and then he's probably like me. He'll get pissed off and go off on somebody. And then he feels horrible about it. Even if he was right. See, that's why I think you're a sanguine Jason. <laughs> I don't know what I am. I think you're a sanguine because if you train wreck, 
I just don't cry. No, but that's a very sanguine thing to do where you get heated, <laughs> you get heated, and then you feel terrible. Like you just feel awful, like you were mean to well, the it's person. Just a temp- you know? It's just a, it's really a patience and temper issue more than anything, learning to control those. Yeah, Lauren, so do I. I hate it. And but and it was more than just like an online thing. Like Joe, Joe has slept at my house twice. Uh we've he's been out on my boat. We've gone fishing together. We took a, a 20 hour. I really like Joe when I met him. And, and, and I don't necessarily either agree with Joe and everything, but I also acknowledge the fact that Joe is very smart and and knows what he's talking he doesn't just talk about yeah. just off the cuff like if he's talking to you about something it's seen from my experience with and him he knows his material and he's a man of his word like he doesn't he doesn't speak flippantly like i do right like i'm very like i just he doesn't <laughs> whatever, whatever comes to my mind comes out on on the microphone joe's not, very measured not like us where we we just interrupt people Right. So when <laughs> Joe when Joe was upset with me, like I it was the first time that I was I really had to think about it. And I was like, you know what? Give him let him let him calm down. And it was the smartest thing I ever did, because normally my reaction is to just go on and vent and maybe even get upset about it. And I wound up um, giving him some time to cool off. And and he actually called me yesterday and then he called Rob. So me it, last night. yeah. Like I'm really like Joe was super humble about it. I, I'm I'm so happy to have my friend back, and I'm so happy this thing was never a public thing where everybody was in on it. Like God really had his hand in that one, where he he allowed all of us to go into it and just be humble about <laughs> well, it. Well, sometimes so. people need a little bit of space. Andy has a vote. I didn't realize that was an upper class establishment here. I don't know if my Kentucky ass is allowed in here. So I live on the I live on Long Island. Um, my boat is uh, my life, dude. Like, I love being on the boat. So, okay, so it's interesting. I don't know many Catholics personally and grew up going to public school. So, until the last few years, faith and the rest of my social life were compartmentalized. Um, yeah, she I, must I live in the South. Myself. She must live in the South if she don't know no, any Catholics. I think she's, I think she's from Minnesota. Is she? Um, oh, so, geez. Britta, I, I'm sorry, guys. Oh, there are a lot of Muslims. I was going to say a lot of, Minnesota. like, small-town Minnesota is – is either very German or very Scandinavian, and so both are. are you forgot one country. No, Britta, do I you ever watch Minnesota? Britta, do you ever watch any of our other shows or just the chosen reviews? Like, have you ever have, have you checked out any of our just like goof around shows where we just talk about like whatever's in the news and stuff? Because I think you might enjoy where we those. Watch, you know, people in a suitcase. <laughs> Because those are not specifically Catholic, those shows. Those are sometimes we're just doing like topical stuff, you know. I, I think she would probably enjoy some of those. Like an anesthetic. Uh, topical. I was gonna say enjoy it like an anesthetic. <laughs> but topical, topical can mean a topical cream, but it could also mean yeah, topical, right? Caitlin loves the cut video. I do too, Caitlin. I can watch that thing on repeat all day. It, it actually know, does get a little better each time. Dude, it's hilarious. I that think, guy is my favorite. So far, Caitlin, just the chosen, I think, but I might have to check things out. I think Caitlin's a lot funnier than than you initially think when you first start like engaging, you know, with her like on Twitter or Telegram. She can does some funny stuff. We did a show Tuesday night and it was very kind of quick. I think Tuesday night was a really good show because it was very quick pace. We, we showed videos of the things we were going to speak about and had to do with the, you know, the satanic Grammys and all that stuff. Like it, it, I think that was a show that like any conservative could have watched and enjoyed, not just Catholic. I I just saw a meme right before we got on the show. Somebody sent to me and it had, it had like, uh, what's the guy on the matrix? The black guy, what's his name? Morpheus. 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 Yeah. 
Yeah, and and, and he he tells uh, that that dude that was singing that satanic thing. He says, uh, "In this hand, uh, you know, sell your soul to Satan. The other hand, make crappy music." And then. Yeah. <laughs> And then afterwards, he goes, did you just take both pills? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, Rob, you have to uh, do this for Margo. Play it. Hey, we want to go in this video. Margo. Yeah, in the chosen. Give the chosen audience yeah. a little taste of the cut video. <laughs> Margo, have you seen the meme I made of you? Let's see what she said. Hang on. You can hear us, though. But just give her a sec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I just want Margo to see the meme I made of her. I, just, I feel like I have to show this first. Yeah. Trap made it happen again. Look at it. We got a fire apartment out here again. Cause they're always going down somewhere. Cause crack. Cause. Hold, hold on. There is a very slight little language warning. Just. Trap made it happen again. Look at it. We got a fire apartment out here again. Cause they're always going down somewhere. Cause crack. Cause all on crackheads over there. Cause I had an accident, man. I hurt my homeboy, man. I'm my homeboy. I gotta go to the hospital. Cause look at this shit. Cause. Cause we suing. Cause. Cause we suing. Cause we don't care. Cause. Cut going to hell, cut. Look at them over there, cut. Y'all going to hell, cut. Look at them backstreet boys over there. Don't have an accident, cut. Look at the backstreet boys over there, cut. Y'all don't have an accident, cut. Y'all, y'all don't came down the wrong way, cut. Y'all try to do too much singing, cut. Cut well, dress well, just intimidate when you need them, cut. Cut well, just intimidate when you need them, cut. The backstreet boys over here don't have an accident, cut. Look at you, cut. Cut. Look at the backstreet boy, cut. I want it that way. Look at you, cut. Okay. All right, you can wrap it up because they, they do, they do. Um, all right, so we got to ban these uh, clowns. I already did. Did right, you so- ever? Did you ever watch that video I sent to our chat group about? It's an old video about the leprechaun on the news. Wait, first off, yes, I've seen that a hundred times, but it's not oh, cut. God. He's saying "cut" as in uh, cousin. Cool. It's cousin. short for cousin. What's like cousin? yo, cut, yo, cut. What up, cut? Cut. What up, cut? How? How? Uh, yeah, it's like short for cousin. But yes, I, I like can watch the Backstreet Boys and then sings the Mc- McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> I wanted that. No, that's a, that's the Backstreet Boys. It sounds a lot like McDonald's to me. Dun, 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 dun. You don't know that song? Come on, bro. Come oh, on, cut. <laughs> Get me off screen. I hate that. Um, I would like I would like the person who stole our car to hear this on repeat for the rest of their life. <laughs> My prayers today are vengeful. Samantha, we I pray that at least so like if your car insurance, if you only have liability, put it under your homeowners. You could full be fully embarrassed for that car. But I, I bet you they find your car. That you know, it's it's very difficult to like send the car to a chop shop and actually cut it up these days. There's, it's very difficult. There's no chop shops and where she's around. That's what I'm saying. Like that, that person just took that car for a joy ride and left so, it somewhere. There's not so much. As long as it's not used in a murder, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. When I, <laughs> when I was in college, I actually had my truck stolen twice or the wheel. Okay. The first time the wheels were stolen. Second time they actually steal my truck, still use the truck to steal a bunch of other people's tires. And then like <laughs> two days later, I, they call me It's sitting out on a field on the ground with the tires missing. <laughs> Now this is your overcompensating truck, right? No, no, not From the when time you were it I have Britta, just to answer your I question. I have seen that. I have seen that channel, Britta. Uh yeah, he he actually went to like an Eastern Orthodox church. He went to a Catholic church. I Jason was talking, I was reading comments because I know that bothers him. So <laughs> <laughs> and I just had to do it once this episode. <laughs> you you bother me in general. I know I do. <laughs> Being on a chat. Being in a, a group message with these two is terrible. Oh, they me both, and Jason. 
all, all we, day it's them two sniping at each other pissing we each other never off say purpose. a single serious thing to each other it's just everything he says to me is trying to get me mad and everything i say back is trying to get him mad and he's insulting me and i insult him back and it's just it's the stupidest thing That's and then every once in a while Every once in a while, we'll say something nice, and it's just so alien. We're like, wait, I don't know. It kind of feels dirty. <laughs> yeah, someone usually throws in a, a pride flag after the comment. Like <laughs> if Jason says something nice to me, Rob will throw a pride flag in there. It's actually really funny. But the best part was getting a message in that group chat at 11 p.m. last night. Jason going, we're only doing the one episode tomorrow, right? No, Jason, both. Ugh. sometimes jason will say something really funny and Uh, i pretend and i pretend it's not funny and he gets so mad like jason the 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 you should run this by joe line last night the run this by joe line last night when you texted that i actually laughed out loud and then i was just like what are you even talking about i don't get the joke you were so like are you kidding me you don't get this (laughs) was he what what was what I was gonna post made you laugh? Or I don't get the, this. The Boca coming. Keep wearing blue, brother. What does this mean? Cause a Crips term. Crips. It's like the bloods in the Crips. So cause a Crips term. So hearing you say it, and you wear and you wear blue, you don't know who the bloods and Crips are. You have to know no? who they are. Come okay. on. Okay, I know who. Okay, but right. Crips I, tell you, really. I, I would imagine he doesn't want to live out his gang days again. That's why he's trying to. <laughs> Our, oh, our, Angela. Our bloods are red. Yes, and the Crips are blue. Okay. Angela, this explains so much. Like you, you just <laughs> which, uh, was which sister is that? Uh, was that? Uh, I, I'm not going to use her name, but was that the one that? Um, Can she get this blood on up in the chat? Who are the Bloods and Crips? Isn't that precious? Oh, I thought oh, she was from Lou. <laughs> from Lou. First off, yo, Lou had the funniest line in the news from the Pew show today. So the news from the Pew was talking about the balloon thing with the, with with China, and she she wrote uh, Baroon. <laughs> like she wrote it out, Baroon. Oh, Lou, write it out. I forgot what you said. Uh, baroon, not sp- what a wet a weather baroon, not a spy baroon. There's <laughs> 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 something along those lines. I laughed so hard on it; it was hysterical. Uh, uh, now I officially want know why boys say, yeah. So, um, uh, lady of the south, uh, was asking me on Twitter. She's like, uh, she's like, what's car? You guys, are you guys like, cause, uh, I think you're, uh, she's actually from Mexico. She has Mexican heritage. So and I guess that's a, uh, a, a, like a, you know, a Latino thing to say, I guess. So she, she was like, are you guys like talking with Spanish people or something or, oh, <laughs> so she was, she was repeating a meme. Okay. It's funny though. What, weather baroon, not t- weather baroon, totally not a spy baroon. I'm so wrongly. Okay, I guess we're done talking to Chosen because we've been. When did did this turn into an off the rails episode? Well, here's the thing I know what Rob's up to. Rob is just trying to annoy Connor right now to keep the audience with us. (laughs) Wait, what do you mean? Connor's show is going on right now. Oh, I totally forgot to read. Well, it's not going to matter. I'm going to log in on him on the YouTube and make a comment and say, we're still going on his. Yeah, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go on. Oh, Connor's waiting for it. Okay, good. Connor said, huh? I thought he said, come on. That would have been funny to say, huh? 
right. Well, listen. All right. So, all right. Wait, here's, here's what we have to do. We do have to bring him back to the chosen. Do we want to review season four? Well, hold on. I guess. I mean, do we want to review season four? And what do we? How do we feel about Catholic watching? <clears throat> oh, Connor is a half hour, and so okay. I thought okay. That's that's good, Connor. I'm glad. Oh, he's on normal people time. Okay. Very good, very good. Every episode of Avoiding Babylon is off the rails, even trivia. It is. Especially I mean, especially trivia. Well, the thing is, we ha- look. We want people to want to watch our show, no matter what we do. So we don't want you guys to tune in because of the topic. Like we, th- I think we have a lot of people who don't watch the chosen but tune in because they like hearing us goof around. Like ninety percent of the chat right now, probably right. I mean, it's like I don't half think Margo watches like, the chosen. Half of them just want to make fun of us on here, so. Which I, I think is one of the best. I think it's one of the best aspects of our show. Marco Marco is very passionate about everything she says. Central is the correct time zone. That's how she typed it. Yes. She's gonna have a coronary <laughs> young in life. So Jason actually said uh to me the other day, he was like, Look, you guys don't have like the hugest audience, but your audience loves you guys. Like, like that we really do have such a loyal like we know 30 people are watching our shows every time we pop on. We always get at least 30 loyalists that are like, dude, we just like watching what you guys do. And it's really, it's very flattering. Well, I don't watch the chosen. Guys. I just like Rob's shirt today. <laughs> Everyone likes my shirt. I Go over to bear choose Catholic on Etsy. Yeah. Um, and even uh, uh, Kevin, like a lot of our shows aren't specifically Margo Catholic. So you might actually like if you like this kind of banter back and forth, you might actually like some of them. OK, so, Rob, would you rather review season four or be involved in the Crips versus Blood Street? Enoch, no. all I would say is I'm probably better armed and I probably do a lot more training and shooting. So I'd much rather do that than watch season four. I'll right. tell you right now, Enoch and I want to do a rap um a, a rap oriented show with you and we want to do brackets with you we're trying to figure out how we're going to do it though with me yeah we, we want to just what, what see you... see your hip hop knowledge it's <laughs> me gonna be all, like an hour long of me just going huh me and enoch have like back and forth arguments over which which hip hop artist was better i like i I got so he did that hip hop bracket thing and I and I'm watching it while I'm watching it I'm texting him I'm like how could you let this one go through this is not I'm really, like I was so mad at him if he let like one of one of one of the artists I thought should go ahead it was pretty he's like all right just let me know whatever you disagree uh, I'll be entirely honest Enoch's music is the only hip hop well besides Father Stan <laughs> that was forced upon me at a Steubenville conference See but, I uh, listened I listened to underground hip hop like I wasn't even listening to mainstream radio hip hop. I was an underground oh, hip hop. You're fan, one of those. So. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, I was like, if Here something was on the go. radio, I disliked it at that point. He's, he sounds like the hip hop version of Mark, doesn't he, Jason? We see, Jason's into. I mean, Mark is into southern rap. No, Mark rap. is it? Well, I was and talking more actually, like actually, very into how, how Mark was in an underground punk and. Yeah, the second you oh. hear it on the radio, you'd hate it, and it's like, oh shut. Well, up, that's kind of like what I feel like people watch our show. For like they, we're like an underground podcast, and I think if we ever get too big, people are going to be like, "They sold out. We hate them now." And you're getting like, well, we don't do trivia every couple of weeks. We get those messages. Yeah, <laughs> you guys sold out. We just like doing this. Paleoka, Paleoka, I like that. <laughs> My master of the ages guy still wants to join you guys sometimes. Dan, the one who was an extra on the chosen, you can come on. You want to do he? He could come on trivia if he wants to come on Thursday. I thought, on. I thought our new policy was no master of the ages if it's not Cameron. That is true. 
<laughs> like I want, I don't want. No, here's the thing. I said no, no Margot or Jake until we get Cameron. Well, it's just funny because they've been like two of the more loyal like people on the channel. <laughs> so I know they're actually really good friends, and like we shouldn't yeah. punish them because Cameron's busy. <laughs> One day I got a text from Jake. He goes. He goes, I'm going to find out a way. I'm going to find a way to get you on one of our sets, get pictures of you with Cameron and send it to Anthony <laughs> without telling him beforehand. <laughs> I will literally go down and kill him. <laughs> I will find out where he lives and I will kill him. Um, I told him he was going to get a horse head. I, did, I had to step away, but did y'all cover how Simon was the key to success of the mission? Oh, you know what? Bad. I didn't even pick up on that. I forgot about that. No, but they kept he, they kept mentioning it throughout the show. No, but I, the phrase "the key to success of the mission" I didn't pick up on that because Simon gets the keys to the kingdom. Oh, yeah. I had no idea what he did that helped anyone on, on in the in the capitals. He didn't do anything that Nothing. crazy, but the walking on water thing was the big wrapping it together. Well, he told them all to to get in the boat that were rowing, not walking, and then he also told them to more or less do what Jesus said about the food thing. Right, so yeah. he did both in a very like spiteful mood, but those were kind of two big. He was very key to the mission. Yeah, get yeah. in the boat. Get in the boat with the storm coming. <laughs> it's only eight miles. I was um, rowing eight miles. Can you believe that? <laughs> That's nuts. That is pretty brutal. Um, we're going to try to figure, um, he was the key to getting the 12 in the boat, uh, at that time. So as a Lutheran, um, you don't realize the significance of the phrase, the key to the success of the mission. Like Peter gets the keys to the king. I'm not saying you don't get it. I mean, you probably have read Matthew 16. I'm sure we've insulted her twice now. Yes. I didn't mean to, if that's how it came off. Which means she's the least insulted person on the show right now. (laughs) 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 All right. So are we going to review season four? What do you guys want to do? I, I thought this was an interesting, uh, experience like i kind of enjoyed it i liked getting on with you guys and chatting with my friends and breaking down the episodes i actually actually did too i was actually thinking today is there since this ain't going to be out for a while is there something else we could do similar to this book movie show i've been thinking about that too and like i'm down for lonesome dove (laughs) (laughs) or the north and the south that's a that's a i would no. it would have to be it would have to have like a faith I know I'm a faith based theme to I'm it, joking. right? Like, I don't want to do like a, I don't want to just review, uh, we like the last totally, of us on uh, HBO. We could totally make fun of uh, Left Behind with Kirk Cameron. I, that I would be a that fun, oh. no, that would just be fun rip it apart. to just, to, we might have to do that on Telegram. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll enjoy that maybe. Why, yeah, why would I, we I have to do that on Telegram? YouTube probably would, I doubt YouTube would, would mind. It might, I dude. If we could do that, if we could do review the the, the um Left Behind series, like I want to, I want an old school Kirk Cam and Left Behind series, and we'll just we'll just live stream it and just go. All right, kids, strap in, and we'll just rip it apart every time they do something silly. Oh, you want to you want to actually do like a watch party type thing? Yeah, like a watch party, dude. I think what like, about, uh, we do that on Telegram. We'll do a twenty four hour stream, and we'll include that in our twenty four hour stream. Um. I would do that or even the seventh sign that uh Demi Moore movie from back in the uh, day. That it was a very be, Protestant um, end times type movie. It'd be fun to do something like the Exorcist. I ain't reading the book, the so I'm watching the movie. Emily Rose. 
That would be a that good one. Be- Exorcism of Emily Rose. That would be a really good one. Yeah. I just yeah. watched that recently. That's a great movie. I, I I just watched it for the first time last year too. It was I think I think the first review we have to do is the Garabendal documentary though. Have you seen that th- there's a documentary uh, out there where Father Amorth where he does like real life exorcisms? Have you uh-huh. seen that? It was on uh, Netflix a while back. I, I, I actually never finished that because we started to watch it and then my wife was kind of like, Man, I, I don't know if I can watch this. She should so we I, I actually never finished it. Well, all right. I think the first thing we're going to do uh, in li- on our first Telegram live stream, we'll do it on a Saturday night and we'll do a, a like a Avoiding Babylon movie night and we'll do the Garabendal documentary. If that works out well and people enjoy it, we'll do that that Miracle series from back in 1999 I told you about the other day. That one was amazing where it actually has the woman getting the stigmata on on camera and that would be a good one to do too. And that's only like 35, 40 minutes. If we do the left behind stuff, I'm not reading the books. Just FYI. No, we just watch the camera. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm not I'm not reading the books. All right. So we'll put up a poll. Um, and you guys let us know. If you guys enjoyed our chosen reviews, and especially if you only found us because of the chosen review, if you're watching this later, please let us know in the comments if you want us to review season four. People, I mean, we get decent views for our channel on them. I mean, some of them have a thousand views and we're pretty new to this, so I mean, if people are enjoying them, I mean, we'll I've enjoyed. Them. I mean, I enjoyed it personally. I don't know how much I added to the discussion, but it was still fun to do. Yeah, it's fun to just sit down and talk with our friends. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna head to bed because I have to wake up in the morning. But well, this was we, fun. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sad. I hope we all wake up in the morning. Let's I'm kind of I'm kind of sad. Season three is over. I gotta be honest. I'm a little sad. This was fun. I mean. I'm glad I don't have like weekly homework now. You know what would be a but, you know it would be a cool wrap up show to the whole season. They offered potentially to have Dallas. I know we should show. try and get an interview, Rob. Maybe we can do an end of the season wrap up with Dallas Jenkins and just have a discussion with him. <laughs> Don in doesn't even any- watch the chosen. I'm not sure why I watch the review shows. <laughs> in case anyone from the chosen is watching this part specifically, they're not watching this late in the show. <laughs> no. But number one, I just want to say I do kind of like purposefully come off harsher on it because I do kind of like love to hate it. <laughs> like we mentioned. Well, no, you like to be contrarian. I do. Yeah. Okay. You're being contrarian. Make a clip it's of in this. My, it's in my nature. Uh, and if we get Dallas two, on. If we get Dallas on, I will be unbelievably courteous to him, and I will well, do nothing but lay it on thick and tell him how amazing his portrayal of, of Simon and Eden are. And I know this is what happened in his real marriage, but I can relate yeah. to this man. And if you ever need somebody to to, to unburden your, your your problems to, call me. If Peter ever gets sick and you <laughs> well, need to step we're in definitely after, not I'm getting down Jenkins now. So. Listen to me. I'm getting on an episode of The Chosen. I am going to be in the chosen. I'm going to play a Roman soldier. You are going to be the <laughs> Italians are not Romans. Give it up. Let me explain something to you. No, 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 no. Let me explain something to you. I play Romans a better Roman great. than that fairy that played Punch's pilot this season. I'll tell you right now. That's true. I will give you that. Hey, Soy by boy the way, pilot. I'll, I'll, I'll be better than him. Romans and Italians are basically just Greeks. Jason, I don't want to kill you, but I will if you keep it up. I hope so. Exactly, Margo. Rome is in Italy. There's nothing. Rome is on the Italian peninsula. 
<laughs> the Italian Peninsula is. He's in trying to think of something Rome. clever to say, but he I don't can't. know. <laughs> well, at one point, from Sicily, right? At one point, the Italian Peninsula Venetian was in Rome. Roman. Now Rome is in the Italian Peninsula. Anthony going to go gang some punches. <laughs> Sicily was a Carth- Carthaginian colony. You're probably more Phoenician. Which Listen, is I don't want to hear any more critique about my my heritage. I don't want. I don't, I'm very sensitive about my heritage. Canaanite. <laughs> Just, I don't like just, just think, if the Israelites had actually done what God said in the Old Testament, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't have, have to deal here. with you. We wouldn't have Anthony here today. <laughs> Listen, Sorry, to Amish. Here's what's going to happen. I'm not kidding. I'm going to go on set. And I'm going to grab Pilot. I'm going to say, what are you doing? You're butchering the character of Pilot. What are you doing? Margo's <laughs> just pissed because her... Her crush is a tip with both of them. <laughs> Margo's got to think for Italian guys. <laughs> She's got to think for Sicilians. <laughs> you know, the whole horse head threat is really empty coming from a Sicilian. Because you guys would, would rather eat a horse than you would. <laughs> I, I'm not going to stand for these insults anymore. We're done. We're wrapping this show up. So Please let us know. He's basically... Uh, from I'm leaving. Um, first <laughs> off, you're gonna you want to you want to discuss who looks like they're gonna yell Allahu Akbar. That's not Kazakhstan. Between the two of us, stop. You're closer right. skin tone, not me. All right, let's I thought go. he was Albanian. <laughs> oh, let's sorry. wrap this show up before I get upset. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hold on. We're obligated to say, everyone, go over to. <laughs> I can't believe and... that's what you just did. We went back live. I'm glad I didn't say something stupid. I was too, Jason. I was about to cur- curse no, and call no. him out. Everyone, go to We're Connor's. Go to Connor's stream at at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. He has Jake Fowler on. He has Jake Fowler on, who we love Jake. Jake's a good dude. And if you want to kill 10 minutes in between, go to Paleo Crap. Yep. Make sure you make sure you throw up the Italian hands in the in both chats. And make sure you let Jake Fowler know that Central Time is a myth. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next time. So-